Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Whatever you want to do in life, the only thing that's stopping you is your mindset. Go for it. Stop making excuses. Stop waiting for everything to line up perfectly. Go for it. Walk in the confidence of who you are and your worth and start living out your dreams now. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut and into a life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, we're going to be joined by life coach Gloria Guadron. I met Gloria at a conference called Spark Christian Podcasters Conference in 2021. Uh, we hit it off. I had her on the show to talk specifically about what she does to help her clients, who are women, create confidence. And when I heard that, I thought, you know what, that'd be a great topic where I could bring in a male perspective, uh, talking on the principles that she shares. So that's what we're going to be doing in this episode. Maybe you've been pursuing a dream and at some point you've lost confidence in yourself and the belief that your dream can become a reality. So what are some of the things you can do to restore that in yourself and have a mindset that you are worthy? So sit back and relax unless you're getting ready to brew some coffee and you need to pay a lot of attention to that, then, then do that and then come back or in fact, listen while you brew. There we go. And here we go. All right. Hey, Gloria, how are you doing on this fine day? Hey, I'm good. It is so good to connect with you here again. Um, we got to meet in person a couple of weeks ago, and this is just super fun. Yeah, we connected initially on the Christian Podcasters Association Facebook page, I believe. And uh, and I think their spinoff, the, the Christian Podcast Guest and somewhere between those two groups, you reached out to me, told me your story, told me what you do to help people. And I said, yes, that'd be awesome. We need that on this show. And then we met in person at Spark Media Conference and had you on a previous episode. I believe it's episode number 262, where we did a little like preview of what this conversation is going to be about and uh, how you help people build confidence and a little bit of your own story and all that. And I was like, yes, this is going to be awesome when we do the full episode. I love it. So again, yeah, I'm nice, excited. Yes. And I'm, I'm glad you're able to corral the cats and <laughs> I, I had to corral mine as well. Uh, I mean, if you don't own cats, you guys, you are missing out. That's all I've got to say with that. I, uh, I guess, well, I guess Gloria, you too, you're not really into cats. Your family is. No, I, I say that I have cats and it's giving me, you know, like extra bonus points in life or something because go. I hate cats, but everybody <laughs> else in my family loves them. So the, you know, the criteria was we can have cats as long as I literally don't have to do anything with them. <laughs> there you go. They're like vegetables. They're an acquired taste, I think. I'm not saying oh. eat cats. I'm saying having cats. <laughs> There we go. In case somebody is like, wait a second, Jerry, are you saying, no, I'm not saying that. Um, yeah, my wife is the cat person. So when she and I got married, uh, almost 20 years ago at the time we we're recording this, she always wanted to have a cat. I never had pets before. And I kid you not, she remembers this. I don't think she'll ever forget. Actually, this might be the thing that keeps from her from ever developing Alzheimer's or the, the like the constant if she goes into time travel. I don't know. Uh, but she remembers first Mother's Day that we had together as a married couple. She wanted a cat. I didn't want a cat. And I got her a pair of bowls, plastic bowls. They were obviously cat bowls because I think they had like kitty paw prints in them or something. And I gave her a card and 
So she saw the bulls. She got excited. She thought there was a kitten somewhere in a box, somewhere in our home. Uh No, because the card said, for the cat you will one day have. She didn't like that. (laughs) Yeah, you kind of, yeah, I'm with your wife on that one. I know. I'm Uh, with your wife. I I seem to go into everybody's doghouse when that story comes up. I'm like, Liv, stop telling that story. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So that's me preemptively putting myself out there. Yes, I didn't always <laughs> want a cat, uh, but now I own the socks that say crazy cat dad. Um, yeah, my family's always posting pictures of me playing with the cats, cuddling with the cats. They're just so cute. They're like little people with four legs and furry faces. I don't know. Something weird. What yeah. You're making them sound very attractive. I'm going to leave See. off my definition of cats, or you might get some like, hate letters or something <laughs> there we like go. that. <laughs> For glorious protection, we'll stop that conversation <laughs> here and move on. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so uh, what I understand you do is you're, you're a life coach. I know you do some some health and wellness coaching, and uh, but the big thing that you know we connected on was that you help women build confidence. You have a Facebook group. Um, about, you know, Christian women, you know, encouraging each other and so on. Um, tell us a little bit about how that came about and, and a lot of the, imp- and the impact you're seeing it have on, on the women who are involved with that. Well, so you're right. I am a health and wellness coach, but I am not focusing on that at all. I'm focusing completely on the life coaching because of this reason. As I got into health coaching, I recognized that people wanted me to fix them. They wanted me to give them pat answers, do this, don't do that. They wanted a checklist, but your health is mostly coming. I'm not even going to give it a number, but mostly coming from your lifestyle, whether that's stress, whether that is, um, you know, whatever you have going on in your life, they're so intertwined, your life and your health, and you can't separate them. And so I really, along with my health coaching, I had gotten a life coaching certification. And so I've gone down that down that path a lot more. And it's just funny because people's health is improving along with that. But my reason for doing that is just my own journey with it of thinking that there was something wrong with me health-wise. And I mean, I spent way too much money, way too much time trying to figure it out. And really, it was stress. It was anxiety. It was people pleasing. It was that lack of not having that confidence of like, oh, no, I can do this. And seeking answers everywhere, except, you know, just going to that true source of where answers are. And it was wrecking my life. And so my journey out of that is really what birthed my desire to help others. Yeah. In that journey. What were some of those mindsets that were impacting your, your health overall? Um, a lot of the mindsets were, I'm not doing it good enough. I'm not good enough. Um, I'm wrecking my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my, you know, I want to be perfect for my husband. Um, everybody else can do it better than me. I need to hide really how, um, maybe disorganized I am or how I'm not living up. So I have to put on this persona so that people don't really realize how bad I am. Yeah. I, I know men go through similar struggles as well. I mean, it's just, I think our reaction socially in us society tends to be different in that. I think what I've seen, like in my own wife, for example, when she's gone through some struggles, um, you know, she still carries on. She still does everything she can. She still tries her best to perform above and beyond what she thinks is expected of her and has that internal struggle going on. Uh, sometimes it comes out. She shares it with me. I'm like, Oh wow. I, 
I'm not even thinking any of that. I'm, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Uh, let's, let's see what we can do. But I know for men, you know, we go through those struggles too. Like, you know, my kids don't love me. My wife doesn't love me. Uh, my job, it sucks. My boss hates me. I hate everybody at work. And what we tend to do is we, uh, instead of attempting to engage and perform more, we back off. We disengage. We, um, we almost take a, almost a warlike attitude towards it in a way, like I'm losing this battle. Let's disengage and retreat and go somewhere else where we're going to win the battle. And I I think I noticed, you know, among the men that I know, my friends, uh, there's that tendency to, you know, I'd rather hang out with my buddies and go fishing. I'd rather hang out with my buddies and work on these cars or these monster trucks or these Jeeps. Uh, And it's just, yeah, it's, it again, comes down to that mindset shift. It's, you know, I'm not good enough. And uh, I wonder why, <laughs> why do we get so fixated on that? Like when we're kids, we don't care that we're not good enough. Like, but we get to somewhere in adulthood, somewhere between being a child and being an adult, all of a sudden we're fixated on not being good enough and we react to it in some weird way. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, and it's such a really hard mindset to just like completely give up and to completely shift. And because it's like, I'm not good enough. And I was just having a coaching session this week with someone and, and this was kind of coming up and I'm like, you know, like good for who, like, who are you comparing yourself against? And then, you know, if you really just like ask yourself that it's kind of silly, you know, it's like, and, and, and what, in what areas of your life do you have to have it all together? Everything. What areas of your life are you giving yourself permission that, no, I don't have it all together and that's okay because I have it together in this area, but we don't, we don't look at that. It's like, if we see ourselves not top notch in one of the areas, all of a sudden it's like, I'm not good enough. And the thing that you said with that, of like the woman, the women trying harder. And I, you know, I know that I'm also just getting certified with the Enneagram coaching. And so the, you know, that has, you know, all of that to go with it, but it is, you know, partially male, female, but partially like who you are in Enneagram is like, we try harder. We strive harder because it's like, I'm not willing to back off. I will become good enough. I want that approval. And then where other people kind of withdraw, like, well, if I can't be good enough, I'm not even going to try. And, and both of those approaches have, I'd say, a negative impact. I mean, especially if you go too far with it, you know, it's, um, what do they say? Too much of a a good thing or even too much of a bad thing, <laughs> it starts to become harmful. So yeah, that avoidance behavior, um, like if you, if you start a snowball and you just let it roll down a hill, it gets, it gets bigger. Um, if you don't address the baby elephant in the room, it becomes a grown elephant in the room and now there's no space to breathe. Um, and so 
how much of what you do to help women or, or your clients involves them facing what they are struggling with? I mean, like how, how do you help them face what they're struggling? I think it's a better question. hundred percent. You know, that's, that's exactly what we deal with. And the, the way that I help them is um, so many of us are in tune with what we're feeling. Okay. So like, I feel like I'm not, you know, good enough. I feel that discouragement. I feel that overwhelm. I feel all of that. But so many of us have not listened to the thought that's producing that feeling. And that's where we go every time. And so many times they can come to me and they can tell me what they're feeling. And I'm like, what were you thinking? And they're like, I have no idea. And so learning to listen to your thoughts is key the way that we talk to ourselves in our brain, that those thoughts go through our brain so quickly, we don't even question them. And like, if we would, if we stop and we listen to those thoughts, I mean, sometimes it freaks us out really how we're talking to ourselves and we're not nice and we're not nice to ourselves at all. And so catching that and just like, whoa, is that actually true? You know, do I really want to believe this? Is this useful to me? And going down there. So taking your thoughts captive and then like, okay, so now I got this. I'm going to look at this. What do I want to do with this thought? Is this thought useful to me or is it not? And if it's not, you need to get rid of it, but not just get rid of it. You've got to plug in another thought that is true and that is believable and that you can embrace that and live into that new thought. Yeah. I I love that you brought that up. And I remember before we hit record, you'd even ask me like, can we bring up Christianity? I'm like, yeah, if you bring it up, you bring it up. Uh, I know I don't, but here I am bringing it up. Uh, I don't know the exact scripture, but I remember one talking about like, if you kick a demon out of your house, I'm paraphrasing horribly, but. Um, uh, I know exactly where you're going. Yes. You're doing great. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so like you kick a demon out of your house, but if you don't fill it with good things or a good presence, uh, not only does that demon come back, but it brings a bunch of buddies with it. And so uh, now your problems are even you know, more so. And kind of like with weight loss, if you lose weight, but you don't replace the bad habits with some good, healthy ones, uh, not only do you get the weight back, but you get more weight back than you had before. And um, and so, yeah, as, as they're removing those mindsets, very important to bring some positive things in. Uh, what are some of the positive thoughts that you help people kind of embrace? And it's probably different for everybody, but uh, it's got to be a common theme, I hope. Maybe there is Um, probably the one that I see come up for women. And I don't know if this, if you men relate to this, but just that, that theme of I am worthy. My worth is, so this is, this is probably like, I can get so passionate about this, but like, so the thing that I tell them over and over, the thing that I tell myself over and over, the thing that I tell my kids over and over is your worth is set just because you are. There's absolutely nothing that you can do to add to your worth. And there's absolutely nothing that you can do to subtract from your worth. And along with that, there is nothing that anybody can do to you or for you to make you more worthy or less worthy. And just living in that, my worth is set. 100% my worth is set. So that gives us this confidence like, oh, So I'm not good enough in this area, but wait, that has nothing to do with my worth. I can learn, I can improve in some area, but that does not make me more worthy or less worthy in any way. That to me is the foundation of building confidence because it's not, it's not even confidence of how good can I do it? It's this confidence of, oh, I can put this on. I can put on this confidence and grow into this because this doesn't affect my worth. That is set. 
Nice. I love that, that there is that separation of who you are in terms of the value of you as a creation of God versus the things you do, like the performance that you have or don't have, two completely different things. And um, I think that's one thing that I wouldn't say it separates us from, you know, the rest of the world as, you know, Christians, but I think anybody who can grasp that the value of a human life, the value of a person as an individual, that person's dignity is set and it has high value, high worth. Uh, and we separate that from their actions or their performance. Uh, and that, that allows us to have room for forgiveness. And, uh, you know, going, you know, going back to the self-talk thing that you had mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, something we used to say on the show all the time was, uh, if somebody else were to talk to us the way we talk to ourselves, we'd punch that person in the face. And uh, you know, absolutely. yeah, so very important to catch on to how we speak to ourselves, especially like when we're frustrated or um, yeah, frustrated, angry, mad, sad, you know, what are the thoughts going through our head about not being worthy, not feeling valuable? Oh man, you're disgusting. Look at you, you fat slob, you know, whatever it is. It's like, you know what, if anybody else said that to me, I would, I would kick them in the shin. I would, you know, you know, hope that they have a breakdown on the freeway, you know, some bad <laughs> stuff, you know, but not too bad that they get terribly hurt. Just, you know, right. inconvenienced. Um, yeah. and, and so I, I love how that all comes back together. Like recognizing that, you know, we have value, we have dignity that's separate from, I just had a bad day, you know, or I didn't, exactly. you know, I, I got my kids out the door with two different shoes, <laughs> but it was a left it's and a okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so when that starts really sinking in that whole, what we're saying to ourselves and what we're believing about ourselves because of who we are, that, and, and I love it. I love just watching that peace just come over to someone, you know, when I, when we really just like start leaning into that and they're just like, Oh, that just changes everything. But the backside of it, and you alluded to this is like, okay, so if your worth is set, so is your husband's, so is your kids. So are your coworkers, their worth is just as set. They are just as valuable as you are. And, and because I work with women, you know, we talked a lot about marriage. We talk a lot about parenting and, and they're like, my kids are so bad. No, you don't have bad kids and don't speak that over them. They are a kid and they have 100% worth and you just get to train them to be healthy adults. You just get to train them to be independent adults that love God and love people. And, but their worth is so set. And when you can see yourself from that viewpoint and you can see Whoever you are living with, whether that's family or whether that's coworkers, or whether their worth is just a set, and you start treating people differently. Oh yeah, even if you're in a leadership position or just even at work, you know when you you realize, yeah, we're all equal. Like we all have the same amount of value. Uh, you know, our positions at work might have different authority levels, but that's different from value and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the way we approach conflict at work changes when we realize that guy is no less valuable than I am. Um, and I have no idea what that person's struggling with. I have no idea that person's background. And uh, I think when you take that approach, it, it changes how you approach that person. You know, you go to them as an equal. When you recognize the value of every person at the workplace, the way you go about leading them, encouraging them, having conflict with them completely changes. And you know, you're talking about it from the perspective of family. 
And here I'm bringing it in from the perspective of somebody's career, you know, in the workplace. This applies there. And um, I just, I noticed the shift in my own leadership style when I started to embrace that we're all of the same value. And you know, we're all creatures with dignity and uh, just, yeah, it completely different. Uh, people wonder why I don't do power plays in the way I lead. And this is a big part of it. It's like, if I need to do a power play on you, then I'm not really respecting you and your autonomy. Um, now, I do have authority in the position I have at work, but I shouldn't have to lord that over somebody. You know, so it's it's really like the, the conversation changes. It's a lot of uh, collaborating and seeing, hey, this is what I need from you. Is that something you can, you know, deliver, do? Are you up for it? What's in the way? And then we negotiate that. And all of a sudden, they're going above and beyond my own expectations. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I like that. And sometimes they don't meet it. And I just go back and open it back up and talk about the commitments we had and so on. But I never go in there and say, you know what? You're a horrible employee. You know, just I got to teach you everything on your job. And, you know, if it weren't for me, you'd have no job. Like, I, I never go in with that. And <laughs> You know, and the, to me, to me, the second part of the the whole confidence aspect of it is, you know, so you get the worth set. But then the second part that's just huge is just like recognizing that, okay, I'm responsible for me, period. I can't, I can't make you think, feel and do anything. And so you just get to think, feel and do what you're going to do. And I get to choose how I'm going to respond to that. That gives so much empathy. And so if you're feeling angry, and even if you're acting angry at me, you just get to feel angry all by yourself. I do not have to join in your anger. I don't have to feel that same thing with you. And I don't even have to get you to stop being angry. That's going to be your choice on your own time. And, and of course, there's boundaries with that. And, and I teach this whole thing with boundaries of like, we're not setting boundaries for the other person. We're setting boundaries for ourselves and how we respond. But with that, that has been freedom. That has been freedom for me. That has been freedom for the ladies that I coach because it's like, you know, they, we, I don't know if guys do this, but we try so hard to be understood and we try so hard to be validated. And like, do you understand how I'm feeling? I want you to understand how I'm feeling. Half the time, I don't even understand how, what, how I'm feeling. I don't even know how to make myself happy. And then allowing the other person their space. And I don't have to be controlling anybody else's circle I'm in my own circle and I just get to respond in the way that I want to respond. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a more of a gender thing, but I think just in general, I, there's like this expectation that you know what I'm going through. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And it's mind rating. Yes. You know, and I know I've caught men, I've caught myself saying that, you know, women expect us to be able to read minds, but then I'll turn around and do the same thing to my wife. Well, if my wife doesn't understand why I'm upset about this gift or I'm upset about us not going on this trip, then she doesn't understand me. And then I cross my arms and rah, 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 you know, rah, rah, rah. And then I'm like, wait a sec. If I'm going to make fun of her about, you know, expecting me to be able to read minds, why is it okay for me to turn around and expect her to be able to read my mind? Um, you know, why isn't it okay for me to share with others what I'm feeling, what I'm expecting, where I feel like an expectation is not being met. And I think there's a level of confidence that's, confidence that's needed behind that, you know, that um, it's not unmanly to share what my expectations are or what I'm going through or what my needs are. And uh, it's okay if somebody else doesn't want to go alongside you in those needs or those expectations. And, you know, being like you just mentioned, like we're all 
individuals. You know, we each have our own needs and wants and, and desires. And I think you said it totally differently now that I'm repeating it. Um, but it had to do, oh, we can't control what other people do and feel and think. So it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, this is what I am coming from. This is where I'm coming from. And, you know, all we can do is share that and put that out there and have the confidence that we shared it clearly. And, um, and so, but I think that's, that's huge. It's very important to, to be able to voice our concerns and desires and so on. And so one of the things that I was learning, and this is so good, like it goes along exactly. So when you share that, you know that you have shared it as an expectation, as a desire. If the other person doesn't do it, you don't get angry. But if they don't do it and you get angry, that was not shared as a desire of what I would like. That was shared as a demand. And there's such a difference. So there's, you know, this whole way of communicating where it's like, Hey, look, this is what I would like to have, but you're also giving that you're just handing that to them and saying, it's okay. If you don't do it, you're a human too. You have your choices, but if you get angry over the fact that they didn't do it, you weren't asking them if they wanted to do it. You were saying you have to do this yeah, or I'm not pleased with you. Yes. Yes. That is huge. That is very huge. That is huge. Yeah. So one of the things that I that I kind of teach is this whole thing of like goals and desires. So like a goal is you can do this by yourself. So let's say you have a goal to lose weight. I'm going to lose weight. Nobody can stop you from losing weight. You can just do this by yourself. Now they can put cake in front of you. They can make all your favorite meals. You're the one putting it in your mouth. You can have a desire that your partner joins you on the journey. And so Everything that you've, so many times we have this desire and we, we try to go at it as a goal. So like I have this, this desire that my kids are super sweet and obedient and follow all my schedules. That's a desire because they're not puppets. I can't make them do that happily, but I can have a goal that I am going to have structures in place to make our home run more smoothly. And so the thing with goals and desires is as desire, there's another human component in there that can actually thwart your, thwart your goals. You know, it could stop you from reaching your goals and those things, they are desires. So we present them, like you're saying, we present them, but we also present them open-handed understanding that. Hey, they have free will, you know, they get to choose how they're going to respond to this, but the things that are truly my goals. So I can have a goal that even when my kids or my spouse isn't doing what I want, I can have a goal that I am still going to respond kindly, no matter what, nobody can make me be angry or respond rudely. So I teach that, you know, like, okay, are you, you know, you're getting upset about this. So are you making that a goal? Or are you making that a desire and giving that other person that free will there? Yeah. I like that. Um, especially from a parenting perspective, because we do expect children, especially to make us look good. I don't know. That. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> uh, uh, one of my parents is from Thailand. And so she does the, and she did when I was growing up, the stereotypical Asian mom thing where uh, she couldn't just introduce me as her son. She had to introduce me as her son and why her son is better than your son. And it's like, no, gosh, that was my best friend. Why did you have to do that, mom? Like, now my best friend has to be my enemy and, and uh, now we're being compared to. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, it's just like, you know, that those, her goals were over me as well as, you know, just desires of, I'd like my son to do this, this, and this, but it was like, yeah. Uh, and I think parenting, you can find a lot of dissatisfaction if you're expecting your kids to fit a mold that really isn't meant for them. So um, now that dissatisfaction often shows up in anger. Oh Yeah. Yeah. And just judgment. Um, you know, we wonder, 
uh, this kind of all this fits the the five F's of the show. So uh, you know the family one. We're you know talking about confidence initially. Now we're kind of you know I guess this ties in though because you got to have some confidence to let things be messy in a way and allow free will in other people. And you know with family, I I know a lot of folks struggle with um, you know their teenagers especially not opening up to them and sharing with them and have this like secret life. And you know for the parents who feel you know if you feel that. Oh, not my kid. You know, <laughs> uh, they tell me everything. And it's like, well, you know, how are you as a teenager? You probably had stuff from your parents too. Um, and I know that even though my wife and I, we, we strived really hard to, um, not so much tell them like, you will have this curfew. You will have these rules you live by under my roof. It's my way or the highway. You know, it was nothing like that. We, I think we focused on our value that family was important. The connection was important. Um, we'd rather have a safe space for them to tell us what they're going through as opposed to the, the veneer or the facade of we're happy go lucky family. So, um, I think we tend to shock other families. Like we know some of the things our kids have done, you know, um, as we're around like parties and underage, you know, beverages, adult beverage cons- consumption. And why did you just say drinking? Okay, fine. Underage drinking and uh, <laughs> other activities. Like, yeah, we're aware of those. Like, and, and sometimes mm-hmm. I am more aware than I want to be. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and sometimes yeah. like, why, why didn't I just take, what, what is it in the matrix? The red pill? No, the blue pill puts you back into, <laughs> you know, obliterated um, ignorance. Uh, but then we'll have other parents tell us, oh, not my child. My child doesn't do any of that stuff. And like they get judgmental on us because we know these things about our kids. And we're like, well, your kid opens up to us too. And because we created maybe too safe of a space. And it's like now now we're kind of caught. Like, do we tell them? Like, yeah, no, because those, those teenagers told us in confidence. And if it was dangerous, we told them this is what you should do to clear things up. Um, but I think to create that, you know, going back to the topic of confidence, uh, we definitely had to be vulnerable and um, let go of and be confident in not having control. And I think that is also really huge. Like, so there, you know, we talked about, you know, the importance of self-talk, you know, how we're talking to ourselves, the thoughts going through our heads alongside these feelings. Uh, we talked about, you know, the value in others as equals and having the same value from one person to the next, regardless of their actions, their behaviors. And, you know, here, you know, there's also confidence, I think, in being vulnerable and allowing things to be messy with other autonomous human beings in it. Um, how? Yeah. Yeah. Confidence, confidence in parenting, especially for moms is huge because, um, you know, it, it literally, it comes down to, especially when they're little, like how they're acting in the grocery store, even what do they look like? How are they dressed? And, um, I have six kids and my kids range, like we had four kids and then we had like a nine-year gap and now we have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. And I know that I'm parenting different. I know that I'm parenting with more confidence because I'm like, you know what? My older kids, they turned out great. They're, you know, good looking kids that know how to dress. And now if my kids want to go out in a tutu and rain boots, let's go, you know, before it would have been like, Oh my word, what are people going to think about how I'm dressing my kid? Or, you know, if they are melting down in public, now it's not me trying to hush my kid so that I don't look like a bad mom, but now it's me wanting to build the confidence in my kid of like, Oh, what's going on in my kid's life right now that they feel like that they need to melt down right now and caring from them there. And it's like, I don't care, you know, judge me if you want, because right now I'm going to take care of my kid. 
you can think I'm a bad mom, but I also have that that advantage of where they can see that my older kids did turn out okay. (laughs) So I have the track record, but but I wish I would have leaned into that confidence rather than like, oh my goodness, my kids are making me look like a bad parent. No, they're not making you look like a bad parent. They're just being a kid. And then being able to be from that space of like, you know what, I'm here to teach my kid to be an independent adult, loves God, loves people. That's my job. Not to have perfect little kids who are dressed properly and are doing all the right things at all the right times. Teenage years are so huge. You know, it's like, what are my kids doing? What do people think that my kids are doing? You know, and am I going to control every move? Nope. Why? You're just giving them more things to sneak around, you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Build, build the trust, you know, and just like, you know, no, I'm not giving you a curfew, you know, keep me informed, but no, you know, I trust you to not do the, to do anything stupid. Yeah, you might do something that you, I don't want you to do, but I also trust you not to be completely stupid. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that goes for dads too. <laughs> like, don't just throw that on your wives. Don't throw that on the moms. Yeah. Um, Cause <laughs> I, I know plenty of guys in my Bible study groups and so on that, they feel like their answer to everything that their teenager faces is I'm going to lay down the law. I'm the man of the house. Oh. I will lay down the law. And it's like, no, that just means your daughter gets better at sneaking out the window and climbing down two stories. You know, you, you make them a better gymnast or rock climber you know, with, with more uh, confines and so on. And I, I knew plenty of friends of mine that their parents were very strict and had all these rules. Um, yet there was that friend at a party with me, you know, and yeah. And then, you know, drinking it up worse. Well, I didn't really do drinking until I got to college. So yeah, it's weird. Like my dad gave me like free reign, like do whatever you like, son. Just don't ever let me get that phone call from the police or the hospital saying that you've done something bad. Um, other than that free reign, you know, your life's your life. And I'm like, what my dad telling me this at 14, this is so cool. And then, you know, I was the guy who didn't party all hard at a party because it was like, I'm not rebelling against anything. My dad gave me permission to do this. This is so weird. Not, not directly, but sort of a blanket permission slip um, that could or Yeah. And golly, the trust he had. Um, it just yeah blows my mind. <laughs> um, you know, my, my teenage daughter was literally having this conversation with somebody and um, her friend was like, you know, we should sneak out and do that. She's like, why would I sneak out if I just tell my mom that I'm going, it'd be totally fine. And she's like, why, why would I bother sneaking out? You know? And so it just totally, it even just removes that factor of it. I'm like, okay, if you really want to go do that, I mean, tell me your, you know, your motives, like, what are you going to like, what's in it for you? What, like, how are you going to feel about that? Go do it. I'm not going to stop you. Yeah. I know there've been a couple of parties we actually talked our kids out of, um, not so much a, no, you cannot go. It was just like, oh, cool. Well, who's going? Okay. Um, oh, that guy's going? The guy who always brings booze to the party and then like beats somebody up? That guy? What are your thoughts on that? Like, is that a safe place yeah. to go? And, and eventually like, okay, fine. And, and eventually we might even tell them, hey, we don't think that's a good idea. And uh, they'll, they'll huff and puff. We're like, no, seriously, you know, we're not saying you can't go. We're just saying that is probably not a good idea. And um, if you wind up in juvie for the night, don't be surprised if we wait till Monday. <laughs> like, yeah, what? Exactly. You'll leave us in juvie till Monday? I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's if I'm not busy at work. I mean, and mom's got errands <laughs> to run. Uh, so, yeah, if you get arrested tonight, I mean, that just get comfortable. 
you know, we might let you wait. And uh, I remember the first time I said that, my wife's like, Jerry, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, we're not really going to let them do that. (laughs) So, like, uh, you just have to realize that we're not going to be monitoring all their choices, but they are consequences for their choices. And most of the consequences are natural. You don't have to, like, just beat them over the head with it because so many of the consequences come at them naturally and they speak louder than our strict yelling and laying down the law. Yeah. And it's not abusive to their emotional state either. It's like, yeah, I mean, you did a crime. You got to do the time. We still love you. Your value is still great. Um, Now, with that, guys, uh, my kids have never been arrested for anything. They've never done anything that warranted being arrested. Um, Just just a hypothetical. (laughs) Now, nobody believes me. It is a hypothetical. But, you know, but it's a hypothetical. But the thing of it is, is if you think of it, okay, so you're trying to raise adults, okay? You're not trying to raise kids. You're trying to raise them to become adults. And so you think about it, it's like they're not going to be monitored. As soon as they are out of your house, there's not going to be that constant monitoring. So then it's like it's better to give them those those incremental freedoms to see how they're going to respond and that you're still there. You're the support and you can talk them through it. But if you are laying down the law of you may, you may not for every single little detail, come on, there's loopholes for everything. And as soon as they're out of underneath your roof, they're like, they don't know how to handle freedom. And usually they tend to go like, Oh my word, I got to do everything. Yep. And then they have that decade delay in their lives and all the, all the regrets. Exactly. Exactly. Oh man, this is. I love how this conversation has evolved, and you know where we started from, and you know, you know how we apply it to something as common as parenting, and and you know our own marriages, and so on. Um, Final word of wisdom before we go. Final word of wisdom. Ooh, how long do I have? Um, So I think the final word of wisdom is whatever you want to do in life. The only thing that's stopping you is your mindset. Go for it. Stop making excuses. Stop waiting for everything to line up perfectly. Go for it. Walk in the confidence of who you are and your worth and start living out your dreams now. Fantastic. Gloria, it was great to have you on this show. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll stay connected. Of course, we're in the same circles. Absolutely. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Now, if you found value in this episode, however you're listening to the show right now, Hit that share button and send this to someone you feel or a bunch of someone you feel would also find value in this episode. Now, you can also get more resources at beyondtherut.com slash 296. There you'll find links to similar episodes as well as the, the summary of what we talked about in this show. Now, if you want to revamp your life build the life or create the life you've always dreamed of living, but you haven't ever seen it on paper before, you can download for free our Measure It to Make It tool created here at Beyond the Rut. Just go to beyondtherut.com slash goals, and there you can just sign up for a free download called Measure It to Make It. You can also see that download, uh, the the form to fill out uh, on the show notes for this episode. So either way, beyondtherut.com slash goals or slash 296. There you'll find that form. Now, I'm glad you joined me this week and I look forward to joining you again next week. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. 
You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.